Hey everybody, and welcome to the Ironworks Podcast. I'm Pastor Tyler. And I'm Zach. We're very glad to have you all with us today. We just finished up our series last time on the spiritual disciplines, and uh, I just got back from Uganda. <laughs> so we're going to take some time today, uh, just in, in uh, not a part of a series, but just a single episode, to talk about what that trip was like, but also more broadly to focus on missions um, in the church. And we mean by that foreign missions mostly, but... Uh, Zach, let's let's just start by defining that. We we say the term missions. What do we mean by that when we when we use that term? Yeah, it's a it's a really big term, and there's a whole you know a lot of discussion lately on missions and missiology and um, all that stuff. So well, basically, what we're talking about is we're talking about the gospel being carried outside of your home church, your hometown, where you are from, and going to someone in somewhere else. And that can be anything from, I think you could include, like, basically the next town over all the way up to going, you know, across the globe. Yeah, typically we mean foreign missions when right. we say that, use the word, but it, it certainly can apply and should apply. Uh, this is just evangelism in a different place, traveling somewhere for the purpose of obeying the Lord's mandate to make disciples. And uh, I have been on many different missions trips, and we'll talk about some of those, and I know you have as well. Mm -hmm. We've been on a few together. I would consider uh, myself a missionary to, a domestic missionary here to Alabama, mm -hmm. um, leaving my home and my city to come here and, and plant this church. Although, I mean, like with many missionaries, like this is home now. Um, but we're, we're going to just talk about this subject today and, and what it means. There are a lot of people that do not like the idea of missions, uh, both inside and outside of the church. And uh, there are others that like the idea of missions, but don't like the idea of doing what I did and going to Uganda for two weeks. Right. And we're going to address that too. Obviously, I think that it is just fine to do that or I wouldn't have done it. But let's start by by going through some of the scripture here, because if we're going to do anything, we need to have the authority of scripture behind us. And luckily, it, it does not take much to prove that the Lord desires his people to travel around the world and to preach the gospel. So let's first of all look at, at the end of Matthew. This is the classic Great Commission passage. And it's not specifically about missions, but missions falls under this umbrella. So this is Matthew chapter 28. After Jesus has risen from the dead, very end of the book, talking to his disciples, he's about to ascend to heaven. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore. So since I am the big boss, <laughs> since I have all authority, here's what I'm going to tell you to do with that authority. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Trinity, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Mm -hmm. So you got, you got four verbs there, right? Go, make disciples, baptize, and teach. If I can get a quick Greek lesson in here, the operative verb of the Great Commission is make disciples, and that is the imperative. So if you're going to look at the grammar, the main thing Jesus is saying is make disciples. Then you have three attendant participles, which is a, a different verb form going along with it. And those are go, baptize, and teach. But all of them ought to really have that ongoing sense. So going, baptizing, and teaching. Those three things are telling us how we are to make disciples. One of which is to go, which is to you know get out there, whether that's in the streets around your house or around the world, to 
baptize, right? To, we want to seek conversions. We want to make new disciples and bring them into the faith. And number three is to teach, which is the ongoing process of not just bringing them into the fold, but teaching them everything that Jesus taught us and, and to observe and obey it. And it tells us how long to do that until the end of the age. So, right, Zach, that's the commission to all the church is to go out and make disciples. We're all supposed to be doing that. Yeah. And it's important to realize that not only does it come from Jesus, and I mean, I'm sure you've all heard this taught in a sermon some many times in your life, but it's worth repeating. Not only does that come directly from Jesus, but it's also strategically placed in his ministry right at the end before he ascends back to heaven to be with his father. So, and he's saying, look, I'm going to send you guys the Holy Spirit to empower you, empower us to do what? To go do this thing that I'm telling you to do, right? So it's, it's a, it's basically, the whole point right of the church and everything you could say in a sense everything that we're doing in the church is part of this great commission right whether it doesn't have to be in another country but certainly the things when we go out with the express purpose of spreading the good news of jesus through the power of the holy spirit to another place to make disciples it is definitely fulfilling you know the great commission in, in a major way and i think it's so you know i think it's so important that we not lose track of that because we can all see through history or even now how easy it is for the church to get distracted and lose this main thing. Right. And this is absolutely the main thing of what the church is to be and do. Yeah. There are some that don't even believe the church should be engaged in what is called proselytizing. Huh. I mean, a proselyte is essentially a disciple, right? Right, and, right. Which is a, remarkable. I don't know how you can read your Bible and come away with that, but that's, of course, a cultural conclusion, not a biblical one. We're supposed to go out and make disciples. And uh, in the Gospel of Luke, same same story, but of course the Gospels tell it a little differently. I imagine Jesus said all of these things over the 40 days. Right. But check this out. Luke 24, verse 46, same context. Thus it is written that the Christ should suffer and on the third day rise from the dead. That had already been fulfilled. Then in verse 47, and that repentance for the forgiveness of sins should be proclaimed in his name to all nations beginning from Jerusalem. So there's the message right there. Repentance. So turning away from the old life for the forgiveness of sins. So that's what we're going out to preach is the forgiveness of sins through repentance in the name of Jesus Christ. He says, you are witnesses of these things. So that's what we mean when we say to witness to somebody. We, we make it a verb, even though it's a noun in the Bible. That's just fine. We say, I'm going to tell them about Jesus. I'm going to tell them this message that Jesus gave us. I'm going to verse 49. Behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. That would be the Holy Spirit. But stay in the city until you are clothed with power from on high. So in that version of the Great Commission, Jesus explicitly says to all nations. And Zach, we know that the word for nations in Greek is ethne, and it's often translated Gentiles. So how is that significant for what was being said to these disciples there? I mean, he's speaking to a bunch of Jewish guys and he's saying, go to all the other people, right? It's a very, it's a very broad, inclusive term. That's like, Hey, look, everybody that's not you, you know, and then that's how they would have thought a lot of times is us, the us Jews, the, the people of God. And he said, yes, good. Now, now I want you to reach everyone else. And that would have been pretty, you know, mind-blowing to them because everything about how they would have been brought up and thought was about, it was focused on like 
maybe kind of like an us versus them thing to the extreme if you got to the teaching of the Pharisees and stuff. So this idea that, no, now your focus is to be go find all the other people. And it was even a switch in Jesus' ministry. He said, right now I'm coming to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. And he mm-hmm. would even kind of gently push away some people of the Gentiles and say, this is not your time. I'm not going to you right now. And he's kind of flipping that switch on and saying, now this message goes absolutely to everybody. It's like those right. math problems that you have where it's like set stuff, right? Well, if the set A, right, is the, is the Jews... The other set is everyone else. And Jesus is now saying, hey, I'm now include, you know, both of those sets are now the people that I want to receive the message of the gospel. And that really is, you know, to anticipate what's probably going to be our next series of podcasts here. But that is, in a sense, second to, of course, the gospel and salvation. That's the theme of the New Testament in large measure. How are we going to bring the Gentiles into this? Yes, it is. I mean, that's everywhere. That's in Mm -hmm. Romans. Certainly in Acts. It's in Romans. It's in Galatians. Ephesians talks a lot about it. The new covenant being open to all people. Right. Hebrews. Right. I mean, like, you got whole books of the Bible. That's all they're talking about. Right. Because it was a big deal. And while we're we're not really, you know, we don't have anywhere we're trying to get here, so let's just camp out for a minute. And we still have that issue that that the thought of the gospel going to everybody and not just to us is hard for us to grasp sometimes. And there have been people throughout history that see, well, this is the way we do it and this is our thing. But why do we got to go and take it to somebody else? And it used to be and, and still is in some quarters, but it, it used to be, well, we don't want them to be part of this. You know, right. we don't want them to be part of our of our thing. We yes. don't want them to be part of our family. So don't go tell them. Uh, for some people, it was a misguided doctrinal position that, well, God saves people. So if I preach the gospel to somebody, what if they accidentally receive Jesus, but he hasn't predestined them to be saved? I think we've kind of moved past that largely. That's something that William Carey dealt with, who was a world-famous missionary to India, and maybe the the first to bring this back to the church. But today, you we'll talk more about this in a little bit, but you've got some folks that say, this is our thing, and we shouldn't take it to other people because they have their thing, and that's just as good. And we absolutely reject that idea because this is the gospel. It's for all nations. Mm. And uh, that this is, however it's going to come at us, there are always those that are trying to get us to stop taking the gospel around the world. I mean, mm. that's I mean that's demonic. I'm not saying those people are possessed. I'm saying that's a demonic doctrine that we shouldn't take the gospel to new people. Right. And one of the hardest things missionaries face is there are a lot of cultures that have laws against conversion. Mm-hmm. You can be whatever you are, but don't tell anybody else, which that is the, that is a violation of an article of faith of the Christian church that we know we have to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. And this was the persecution that they faced in the book of Acts. But I mean, that's how it is in Nepal. And it's all, it wouldn't be so hard to see, maybe not in the U S yet, but in some of these other countries, uh, almost making a same as it seems like we're trying to draw the lines tighter around the groups to just say, no, you're not allowed to try to right? you know, if, this might be a stretch, but it's not a stretch in certain parts of the world. We say, well, you can't tell somebody that they're not really gay because that's conversion therapy and you're not church isn't allowed to do that. I mean, eventually, could you see a similar law being passed that says you can't try to convince somebody to India, change religions? I think India is. I Nepal certainly has that law. A lot of uh, Islamic countries have that mm-hmm. law on the books. Right? I mean, the people yeah. don't want us to do this. The in devil doesn't words, want the, us to do this. Right. In some of these places, in other words, the, there's even Christian populations that are tolerated, but they have to be, they're, they're only like ancestral, basically. It's like, you know, you can be born into it, but you're not going to add from outside. Yeah. And and I guess in a sense, and we'll talk about this more maybe in objections, but in a sense, 
like, okay, so think about that. It's it's one of the main, if not the main, it's the main mission of the church is this, the Great Commission. It's one of the main themes of the entire New Testament. And so I guess it shouldn't shock us, right, that of course, well, why would the enemy not be opposing that, right? right? It's yeah. like, it's the thing that we're here to do. It's, and, and you, you know, well, maybe, maybe this is a good segue into some of the story type stuff we want to talk about, but it's also in my experience, and I'm sure your experience too, Tyler, it's one of the quickest ways for you to catch some spiritual warfare right on the chin is to actually start doing this, right? Why? Because it's fine if you're not going to, um, if you're not going to spread the gospel and obey the great commission and go out and make disciples, in a sense, Satan is content maybe in some ways for you to have your own little faith in your own corner. If he knows he can't take that away, right? He says, okay, I'm not going to do anything with him, but as long as he sits still and doesn't yeah, talk. Yeah, and be quiet. Right. And, and, and so really, I don't think it should shock us so much that when we begin to obey this, we receive immediate kind of fire. <laughs> oh yeah. There, there's a scene in um, the second Sherlock Holmes movie where he's uh, talking to Dr. Moriarty and he's kind of, it's one of those great scenes where they both know that they're adversaries, but right. they're being polite. And so it's like, that's my favorite trope in movies ever. It's just, <laughs> it's so tense, but you know, where he kind of lets them know, look, I know what you're up to. I know what you're doing and I'm going to try to stop you. And uh, the villain pulls out the handkerchief of his ex-girlfriend mm-hmm. who he's killed. And, uh, he says, now, are you sure you want to play this game? And he's kind of like saying, I know you want to bring me down, but this is where I'm willing to go to stop you. And the devil does that for Mm -hmm. us, where he doesn't always send spiritual warfare your way. He sends it your family's way. Mm -hmm. I was getting ready to leave for Uganda, and I'll just tell the first story here. And like the week before we go, my son gets strep throat, so goes to the doctor. Then he has an allergic reaction to the medicine and breaks out in hives all over his body and is miserable and feverish. And I'm supposed to leave for Africa in two days. Yeah. And that's like the devil's like, all right, if you want to, if you want to step up, I'm going to step up too. And th- we see that all around the world of the devil just trying to keep people from doing that. But the point we're trying to make now is that we cannot accept that. We have to speak right. up. Isaiah 49 verse 6 prophecy from the Old Testament. This is the Lord speaking to his capital S servant in the book of Isaiah, which prefigures Christ. It's similar to how we have Isaiah 53, but he says to Jesus, it is too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the tribes of Jacob and to bring back the preserved of Israel. I will make you as a light for the nations, goyim, Gentiles, Mm -hmm. that my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And I think you can you can reword that for wherever you live. It's too light a thing that you should be my servant to raise up the United States of America and bring back the preserved of Western culture. No, you've got to go everywhere because Jesus is worthy and his gospel is too grand to be confined to any one culture in any one space. I love so, that it's yeah, tied. Ahead. I love that it's tied to the Lord's glory and like the Lord's personal desires because I think we have to remember that. It's like this isn't like something that we get, oh well, you know. It's like, no, the, the, the Lord places his own reputation and it's his desire that his name be magnified, not just in our, you know, land, not just with your hometown, but everywhere. And so he's taking that so seriously, then he's telling his servants and that's who we are. Right. And if you're, if you're a servant, right, like, look, you're not even a servant. Let's say you're just, a, if you're an employee, what your boss wants is what you have to prioritize, right? Hey, the boss thinks it's really important that we get that it looks this way. So can you make it look that way to make him happy, right? <laughs> right. And and how much more when we're, you know, slaves of Christ? Christ has declared that this is what he wants. His desire is that the nations should serve him, right? So yes. hey, it's this kind of and look, you we're going to use a lot of words that people won't like. This is a a conquest 
that, yeah. that that he has declared and were to participate in that and and we in a sense we don't you don't get the option to say oh that's nice but i don't want to be part of you know, I, that's very nice king but i would not like to to do the whole crusade thing <laughs> right it's like oh thank you but that, that that wasn't an option that was on the table cristo el conquistador yeah christ the conqueror right no yeah. Habakkuk 2.14, the earth will be filled with the knowledge of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And we get to have a a part in that. Hmm. One more verse I want to read from the New Testament. And this is the one that really, and we already saw in Luke, prophecies from the Old Testament. But uh, Acts chapter 1, this is the one that really, all right, we're expected to go everywhere and do this. Verse 8, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. I like the old translation, the uttermost parts of the Mm -hmm. world, right? Uh, He says, you're going to be my witnesses. Yes, here in Jerusalem, here in your hometown, but also in Judea, which was their their country, right? And Samaria, which was like the extension of their country and the part that they didn't want to go to. But also to the ends of the earth. So not just Jerusalem, not just your region, not just your country, but all over the world. So, you know, we're here. You'll be my witnesses in Birmingham and in Alabama and all America and to the othermost parts of the world. It's this outward looking mm-hmm. expansion by the power of the Holy Spirit. And that's a whole other subject to discuss. But I don't know if we're going to get into it so much today that it's all by the power of God. But what we're trying to demonstrate to you, and I think we have, is that there is an obligation upon the church to take the knowledge of Jesus Christ, the message of his gospel, everything that he taught us, repentance for the forgiveness of sins, baptism, doctrine, all the rest of it, all around the world. Right. If you were going to be a Bible-believing Christian, you cannot escape that. Yeah, and and honestly, I I find just, this is one of those things, I think we talked about it with disciplines too, there, there's some things where it's like, look, if you feel that you have gotten into a bit of a rut in your Christian walk, or you feel a little bit bored or a little bit tired, May I please recommend Christian submissions <laughs> because yeah. it, it is the quickest way for you to get reconnected to just how insane <laughs> walking with Jesus is just how like exciting and, and a little bit scary and kind of kind of out of the ordinary what Jesus asks of us is. And um, yeah, being out there and just realizing, oh, yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm part of the people that believe that God sent them to the whole world. Yes. <laughs> right. It's, it's, uh, it is, it is not the kind of, I don't, I don't know how to put it, but it's, it's the kind of thing that just nice religious people don't do. It's yeah. the kind of thing that makes nice religious people uncomfortable. And I think that's why it's so important that we do it because it reminds us that we're not, that's not who we are. We're not just nice people who found a, a good little creed that, you know, keeps us out of trouble <laughs> and, and, and helps our, make our lives easier. We're, um, we're zealots would be yes. a better way to look at us. And I think yes. it's, that's why it's Romans so important. Romans 12, he says, do not be slothful in zeal, right. but be fervent in spirit. Right, right. So that if that's the that's the strategy plan, right? That's the that's the tactical plan. Now, I want to kind of save some time for the war stories. <laughs> so the, in, in terms of like, because I know we've both, I, I don't, I'm not more than some people for sure, but I'd say more than average, we've been given opportunities to be out there and, and go on mission trips and things just through oh, yeah. a lot of times. I think for both of us, it was through early on in our lives. Both of our dads were a huge part of this and we're going out there and we're making opportunities for oh, us. Yeah, my, my dad was a missions pastor. For That's a right. Short time, and he was a missionary and he to was Australia in, in Australia yeah, for yeah. a couple of years. Yeah. So, and, and, uh, and then served as a missions pastor in California and then became a missionary to central Virginia. Right. 
which uh, has been receiving missionaries for a very long time and still <laughs> needs them. Uh, yeah, and then, I, I could tell some really cool stories about missionaries that went down to, to Virginia, but oh yeah, um, yeah, both of us have had. Yeah, I mean, how many countries have you been to? Ah, uh, I got to count. Two. It's more than five, probably. <laughs> I think. I mean, for missions, yes, for missions, we've done. Let's see, Vacations you and me have done Russia and Costa Rica together. Uh-huh. I've done Israel. I've been to Jordan. It wasn't for missions. Um, uh, I mean, maybe it's less than five. So I've, yeah, I've been. My first missions trip was to Russia when I was in high yep. school, and that just man, that your first missions trip changes your life. Like it really changes your life to mm-hmm. go and yeah yeah uh, first just i mean even just the you know the non-spiritual fact of broadening your horizons and seeing the rest of the world is, yeah. is important uh but i've been to russia i spent a summer in Co- or peru when i was in uh high school i'm actually going back to peru in a couple weeks here um i've been to costa rica several times i've been to i went back to russia several times since then i've been to nepal uh twice I want to say twice, maybe three, but twice. twice. Right. And then mm-hmm. uh, I just went to Uganda for the first mm-hmm. time. And so I've I've been around. I've been to all those places except for Peru multiple times and, and now Uganda. But we're already planning the next one to go back. Yep. So uh, I will be back there again. And uh, I absolutely love going on missions trips. When I was on staff at Calvary Chapel Lynchburg, I kind of became the missions guy for a short time uh, because a lot of the folks on staff had put in their time and had done lots of long trips. And here I was enthusiastic and eager and like, shoot, you want to sit on a plane for 28 hours? You knock yourself out, young man. <laughs> so uh, so I went uh, lots of places and I took uh, teenagers to Russia and to Costa Rica. Yeah. And I, I led a team of ladies to Nepal one time. And I've, I've done quite a bit of it. I've not, um, longest I've ever been anywhere was uh, six weeks, six or seven weeks in, in, uh, 2008 in Peru, lived in Lima, Arequipa, Iquitos, if you're familiar with Peru, any Peruanos listening and maybe happy to hear from you, but where's the longest you've ever been anywhere? Um, it, we did, and this is a lot of my stuff to Israel was for, for my dad's work. He worked with a nonprofit that was, and you did as well, right? Uh, I did for a while, yeah. So we, we both worked at various times for a nonprofit that was assisting uh, missionaries and ministries and churches in Israel. So our family lived in Jerusalem for a month, actually, um, which was really cool. cool. And that's a lot a tr- of that's a cool sentence to say. It was fun. Uh, <laughs> I and, lived in Jerusalem for a month. And what was what's fun about that is that you get past like you got to go get groceries. You know, you got to just do your stuff, right? And a lot of our time, all all day, my dad was visiting churches visiting congregations we were sitting and talking to either expat missionaries who were over there or just you know and so it it wasn't so much an evangelistic trip but we were able to we were there to support all these different people and to see what the lord was doing in these different places in jerusalem and all these other all these other areas um so that was really fun um and then most of the other trips have been more like your two weeks and less um trips like when we do russia or or costa rica it's about a week usually maybe yeah usually usually a week plus i think that's a good length for a missions trip you want to i like when i plan to have at least a full week in country Mm -hmm. uh uganda for example it took us not two full days but two days to get to where we were going and you know that's on the front and back so that's four days that you can't do any ministry. Even if you're like, we were able to take a tour of the grounds and be in the country, but like we weren't doing any work on those right. days. So, you know, if you're only going to go for a week, that gives you three days of, of help. And we wanted to give them more than that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Peru's the longest it's been anywhere. And we were working at the Bible college doing, you know, some classes and some things, but we also helped out a lot of teams that came uh, to the Calvary Chapel Bible college there with John Bonner, who I believe is still in Peru. And 
everything else has been about those two weeks. And most of what I've done has been, especially as a when I was taking young people or when I came as a young person, high schooler, were evangelistic trips. I've done mm-hmm. a lot of street evangelism. Done more street evangelism around the world than in America, I'm sad to say. Um, but something about it, it's just easier when you have a translator and you're in a different country. I don't know if you're just because you're prepared and focused, but um, but I've also done some pastor training in Nepal and uh, did spoken at some conferences in Russia and yeah, things like that. We helped out with conferences in Russia, yeah. Yeah, so we, we were in uh, you know Uganda. We were traveling around with a blues band and preaching the gospel. <laughs> and that's just another fun sentence to say, yeah, you yeah. know, out in, in the African bush. But so well, that I, Uganda it, trip, this yes. was because I just want to you know for everybody listening, this is this was a kind of cool, important trip for our fellowship. Again, we're serving. Um, Tyler is the pastor of a Calvary Chapel here in in Trustville, Alabama. So this was our first. Mission trip as a church, yeah, finally, yeah, which was awesome. And Too we had, long. Well, well, we had started planning this basically like pre-COVID, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we were like, hey, we really want to go. We want to get this engaged trip specifically, but yes, to do a trip, right? And so when COVID came around, at least two different trips we were hoping to do fell through. I feel like where we were like planning, yes. let's do this, yes. and then it just we couldn't end up making it happen. And so we were, man, we were ready to go by the time this one rolled around. And so our church was able to send you and. Two others. Two other guys who were able, and not only like the church was able to send them, which was so encouraging for me to see where they, they you know, sometimes it's a big hurdle for people to raise the funds to do this, right? Oh, and yeah. The church was very generous. The fact All that of the our church travel basically was paid sent for. them. Yeah. Which was incredible. And so you guys went, you said for about, so it's a week in country, eight days in country? It was more than a week. It was, it was, um, I want to, I want to say it was about seven or eight days that we were yeah, there. Sounds um, right. But, uh, I, I mean, it was great. I, we, I remember giving a big speech in December 2019 mm-hmm. where I was, uh, you know, what's coming for the new year? And I was like, well, we planted in 2018. We finally moved into our own space. Right. So now it's time for us to start thinking, let's go on our first missions trip. Yep. And then, you know, <laughs> all the all the mess went down. Mm-hmm. And so we we didn't get to go. And then by 2021, we were ready to go. America was opened up, but all the countries we wanted to go to were closed. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially Nepal, which is where you know I'm always eager to get back to. But Nepal started um, having political things, I think, at that point that made it so that we weren't. A lot of places did. Yeah, we weren't. Uh, there was all sorts going. of things going on, and you know, many of the places that we've done missions, many of them, uh, or that we were trying to, are are third world countries, or they're not very stable countries, and so any yeah. time of instability worldwide is going to make it. You know, worse. we've done a lot of stuff Russia, in Russia and there's still a war going on obvious in reasons, Ukraine, yeah. Russia right now. But um, so then it finally came around that we, we tagged on with another church in Tennessee to go to Uganda mm-hmm. and we did. So this, I feel like as the pastor of this church was, there's always more to do, but it was the last piece that really needed to be slid into place for us as a church. Sure. We were teaching the Bible. We were praying, walking in the spiritual gifts, doing local outreach, online ministry, home fellowships, counseling where it was needed, children's ministry. We weren't doing any kind of missions. That wasn't because we didn't want to. It was because it was tough to to get it going. But we finally did. And um, man, just the way that it's touched our congregation already has just been wonderful. And that's that's one of the things we're going to talk about a little bit about why I think short-term missions are are valuable. Yeah. And they're you know, that there's many people that don't much care for short-term missions. I'm not one of those people, uh, but we will talk about that in a little bit. But how about, um, I mean, just one more question before we get into, I'll start telling some stories here. But I want to <laughs> talk about the trip a little bit. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah, for sure. You know, just kind of testify to what the Lord did. But 
when you've gone on mission trips before, maybe you have a couple stories, maybe just some thoughts. What is what is your favorite aspect of being on a missions trip? And what is your least favorite aspect of it? What's what's great and what's difficult when you go? I think my favorite thing for me is the the trips have always been these formative experiences in your walk with the Lord where it wrote, either it introduces you when you're a young person and everyone, you should send your young people on mission trips. My gosh. Yes, like you, you, do it. Oh, Just man. make it happen. When when you're 16 or 17 or 18 and you go outside America and you, you do a couple of things. Number one, you see whatever that country is, whether it's really high status and doing great or it's not, you're going to see how somebody some other group of people live and it's going to introduce you the idea that look there's people out here that need jesus that are living on the other side of the planet that i've never seen before and they need jesus it it broadens your horizons you meet people that are from the local church and that broadens your horizons right all of a sudden you're like oh look there's people walking with jesus over here (laughs) and 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 we fellowship together so easily (laughs) which is that's one of my favorite things is is the you get to fellowship with and you should you need to make sure to make this a point you fellowship with the local body of christ there you hear from them you talk to them you encourage them in like a huge way they encourage you and it always those trips always for me are these big markers in my life where the lord does something unique in my heart whether it's that he's moving in my heart to actually love lost people which is a thing that can kind of wax and wane in your heart over your Christian life. But you come back and you're like, I cannot abide the idea that people could be dying without Jesus. Like it just totally yeah. fills you up with that. So you're emotionally tanked up. You, the, a lot of times the Lord does new stuff like spiritually in your heart with spiritual gifts and different things. Um, you, you, you just feel so much more engaged with walking with the Lord and actually being a part of the Great Commission like we talked about. So that is the thing I love. A thing that's really hard for me is that you tend to make these really close. It's almost like us. It's like summer camp, right? Or something yeah. like that, right? Where it's, yeah, you, it's exactly you make like these camp. really close relationships, both with believers over there and with the people you go with. And a lot of times it's, it's always disappointing to me to realize how quick our routines fall back into place. Whether that's like, man, on the trip, I could just go and walk somewhere and I could pray for like an hour because there was nothing to do on that trip. But like, yeah, you have fellowship, no responsibilities except nothing. to be there. I was I was here to fellowship, to read my Bible, to pray, and to do ministry. And that feels so awesome. And then you go home, and it, sometimes you even feel guilty because you just have normal life things that you need to do. They're not bad, but it can it can really disrupt this awesome, sweet time with the Lord. So that kind of re-entry time is always your least favorite, right? Just honestly, yeah. I mean, practically, that's that's a it's a tough one. You gotta adjust. Yeah, I'll go ahead and start with a with a negative, and I'll just say that I, what I don't love about missions, which I love missions and I've been everywhere and I will continue to, is the the actual act of going to another country and and staying there. Um, <laughs> and this is might sound trivial. It is trivial, but it is worth talking about that, you know, in, in Uganda, we bunked in a room with seven people in a room about the size of a walk-in closet. Yeah, yeah. And it was fun. And it's fun. But I mean, like when you're there for 10, 11, 12 days, it's the fun, fun for four wears days. off. Yeah, right. If you've ever been sick in a foreign country, yep. it doesn't matter if you're in a nice place. You're like, I want to be in my bed with my pillow and my wife. You know, it's like, <laughs> yep. that's, I want people to speak in my language. Mm-hmm. And you can get real, real salty over that if you're not careful. You know, I threw up in the streets of Costa Rica one time <laughs> and all these guys at an auto shop saw me and they all started laughing. <laughs> It's not not unkindly, but it was pretty funny. Oh, that's funny. Um, but you know that that part of it is not always fun. You know, it's a when sacrifice you, though, when you have to travel. For people to understand it, it really thirty six hours to get somewhere. Oh, yeah. 
The planes, you know, at first they're not so bad. After a while, they start to get to you. And then you're getting in a, in a van that's going to bump you up and down for seven, eight hours. And then you've got to walk sometimes. One time we had to, man, we to get to this one spot in Peru, this was a little more fun than some of the others. But we had to fly, of course, fly to Peru. And then while we're in Peru, we flew into the jungle to a city named Iquitos. Then we got on a boat and went up the Amazon River for four hours. Then we got out of the boat and we had to carry all of our stuff another hour or plus up into the <laughs> mountains of the jungle. And uh, that was fun. At first, wow, monkeys and trees. After a while, like, stupid monkeys. You know? <laughs> and you sleep with a mosquito net and there's bats in there. And it's not comfortable. So right. that part I don't like. But... It's, it is so overwhelmed by what is the best part of what I'm describing. And you've already touched on it. It's just being in a place where there is nothing to be done other than to serve the Lord. Mm. Everything to be done on a missions trip is spiritual, if you're doing it properly. Right. That you, you don't have obligations. You don't have to be home you know, for supper. You don't have to worry about, oh, yeah, I got to pay that thing. Oh, I got that email I got to answer. Or, oh, my boss is calling me. You're like, I'm here. I don't even have cell service most of the time. You know, <laughs> yeah. that, that's actually improving, believe it or not. But uh, I had great cell service in the bush of Africa. But <laughs> but it's th- that, is, that just overwhelms all of that. Yeah, you get, it's no fun being sick in a foreign country. It's no fun having to use the UV light in your water. But you can view those things as, first of all, just as an adventure. Which is just like you know, it's funny. I you can just suck thing. it up and have yep. fun, man. But also realize, oh, this is worth it. Jesus is worth it. The people that we're here to serve are worth all of this. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm excited to be deprived, even in the little that we are, to be deprived for the sake of Christ and to intentionally discomfort myself for the sake of Jesus Christ. So I wanted to talk about so that that physical aspect of it because that's real. You know, we've been places where you know in the the sixth or seventh day, there are folks maybe that are older. They're like, I just can't walk anymore. Mm. I can't walk around physically any longer. And, you know, you get people that I need to take a day or two to stay back. And and because it is, at least when I go, it's a strenuous thing, but it's so worth it. Mm. And that, and then you get home and you can say, oh, we hiked into the jungle. It was great. It wasn't great at the time, but we did it. Oh, yeah. And it's so worth it. And then when you realize, man, that this must be real for me. If I'm willing to do this, and if and even in the middle of all this, I'm rejoicing and celebrating and seeing people get saved and people get healed and people be instructed in the word and seeing a missionary that lives there be encouraged or a pastor be lifted up, ah, there's nothing that that really compares to that. Oh yeah, and and you know, look, like it's just like anything else. Like I, some of my best memories from growing up, or we used to do these um, backpacking trips. My dad would take some of us us guys up with our pastor at the time, who's he's with the Lord now, and we would just do these, we call them death marches into, into Colorado and, and without fail, you'd get up there, you'd camp and then it would start raining for all three days. Right. Oh, that happened the last time I it's went backpacking. horrible, right? Waterproof yeah, means nothing. No, it means nothing. You're, like you're wet is what it means. It means it holds the water in very well. Now the, at the time, right. You're like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me, but you come home and those are the stories you want to tell. Why? Cause you were miserable together right and, and you you make these great memories and and it's it's just a great time well imagine doing that but on the mission field for jesus right and you're, yeah. you're making these friendships you're seeing the lord come through in ways where look it's meaningful when the lord comes through at home but sometimes don't you ever feel like yeah but i probably could have figured that out or i would have come up with something but when you're out on the mission field it's like okay the lord better come through because we're just here, dude. Like we don't, we don't have, we can't sometimes genuinely, we, we can't just call home and get what we need the Lord needs to come through here. And so it, it's a different thing. And it really is that 
it, it just reminds me kind of of that, you know, Hobbit, like I'm going on an adventure kind of yeah. thing, right? Where it, it really will change the way that you view your walk with the Lord. And, and the hardship sometimes are important parts of that really yeah I think. it makes you appreciative if nothing else yeah, so, yeah for sure you know we need to be uncomfortable a little bit you know you need to be in a place where don't drink the water don't shower with the water don't brush your teeth with the water because you will get sick <laughs> and you will not enjoy it you know i you travel and you have to take a pill every day so you don't get malaria because yep. if you go you will get malaria like one of those trips <laughs> yep. uh, you come home and you're just like oh praise the lord for you know we're not as as those that are are rich by the world's standards and those that are comfortable and you know you we're supposed to be grateful to the lord for those things mm -hmm. and it, it really serves as a vaccine against being an insufferable person who is like an ingrate you know like really <laughs> yeah so it teaches you i mean suffering is part of what teaches us and so uh that's not always pleasant mission trips are not always pleasant but they're good and they're worth it and they're absolutely awesome so mm -hmm. uh one more thing and then i want to get to some stories here I want to define what I mean when I say a missions trip, because I did clarify a second ago between vacation and a missions trip. Well, sure. I yeah. do know some folks that have been on mission trips where I'm hardly able to tell the difference between a vacation <laughs> when they describe what they did. <laughs> sure. Now, those exist, yeah. right? This is different. A mission trip is different than, shall we say, a tourist trip to Israel. Yes. Like if you're going to go look at the Sea of Galilee and you're going to see Mount Calvary, that is, you should do that. I'd love to do that one day, but that's not a missions trip. Right. That, that's not going on mission. You know, Paul going to Rome so that he could see the great city, that's not a mission. But the minute he starts doing it for the purpose of preaching the gospel, as we just read in Matthew 28 and Luke 24 and Acts chapter 1, that's what we're supposed to be. Jesus said in John 21, he says, as the Father has sent me, so I now send you. I think it's actually John chapter 20, not 21, but you can double check. It's in there. Um, read the whole book. It's good. But uh, he says, I'm, you're going out like I went out. So a missions trip is things that are specifically outreach and gospel related. Right. That's evangelism, that's preaching, that's encouraging the churches, mm -hmm. that's putting on a vacation Bible school. That can be practical things like digging wells, building houses, building churches, repairing things, medical missions, if it is done in the name of Jesus with the gospel being presented. Mm. And I'm fairly dogged on that. If you go and all you're going to do is help the sick, dig a well, and paint the school, all right, that painting the school is the classic useless missions trip. Right. Uh, uh, what's the word? <laughs> Stereotype. But I have been yes. on a trip where we did that, and uh -huh. I couldn't get over the fact that I'm actually doing what people say. But if all you're doing is that, and it's not being done with the gospel attached to it, you have been on a humanitarian trip, not a missions trip. Mm -hmm. Because you can do all kinds of nice things for people, and if you don't preach the gospel, then it doesn't count as a missions trip. And people will say, well, you have to show them you care before you preach the gospel. I, I would dispute that, but I would say, well, then if you're going to all the trouble to show them you care by doing all these nice things, then preach the sure gospel. Preach the gospel, right? Yeah. People yeah. say, oh, thank you so much for coming. You say, yeah, do you know why we came? Right. We came because of Jesus. Have you ever been on a trip where they say you're not allowed to talk about Christ? Well, I've been on, in places like that and I've done it anyway. I do that here anyway, and you probably do anyway, but... I, would you agree with that, Zach? Like there, there has to be gospel attached to it, not just nice things, and certainly not just vacation where we're taking the teenagers and we'll take, like my senior trip in high school, we went to Florida 
and we went to Disney World and we went to Universal and we did a canoeing trip in the Everglades and and you know volleyball and and football on the beach and boat you know boats out on the water and then we took a day and we pulled weeds and we helped out the camp where we stayed and we sure. did laundry for them and stuff okay that was not a missions trip although we helped them out it was a vacation well yeah and would you agree there's a distinction to be made there is i want to be careful the way i say this just because i don't want to come across as being like unfairly harsh but there is a large group of like a lot of organizations and stuff that are doing what is being termed missions work. And I really do agree with you. If look, it is just because it's easier to measure or say, look, we did this, or this is, you know, Hey, Hey, we did this many, this or, or whatever. That doesn't mean that it's impactful for the gospel. And therefore as Christians, what we should be most concerned about is not what is the most exciting to us or what is the easiest to explain to people who are without God but we should be concerned about what moves the needle for the gospel. And so, yes, there, 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 that means that there will be, and there should be trips. Look, if you're going, like we could even argue if you're going to a poverty stricken country and there's not some humanitarian element involved, then don't just say, go be warm, be filled. Right. I, I I'm fine with that. I, I understand yeah, that. I'm going to pull that verse up while, while you talk. Sure. Right? I understand that reasoning, right? Like, yes, as a Christian, uh, don't, don't, neglect to care for people's bodily needs of course especially if you have it with you that verse says right like of course but as you're saying if you if we presume to think that we can check the box of the mission of god to save the world by simply deploying material goods then how are we different from a from the un you know relief organization or the red cross or or like we're not we're we're just yeah. we're just a glorified ngo and i don't think that that's the purpose the cosmic purpose of the church no it, you that, know that bears no re- resemblance to what you see in the bible none like, no that, they, and, and even even <laughs> when paul like paul paul says look i'm taking up this like paul did that all the time look these people are starving you have money let me move some money like he did that but it was never where i begin to struggle is when you hear people say because I think I see it start with, well, we need to make sure that we're we're opening the door by caring for people's material needs. I, I agree with you 100%. Then it goes to, well, what we really want to do is make sure that we connect for these people. We want to make sure they know that Christians love them. So we're just going to give them stuff and say that we're Christians. And then the next thing is... Yes, you can play that game. Okay, off, right. And then the next thing life. is, oh, well, we really we really just need to make sure that these people's needs are taken care of and we'll, we'll worry about the gospel later. Can't you see that there's an earthquake or whatever? And then it's... Well, you're the Red Cross, and the Red Cross was started as a many, many, many such cases, right? The Red Cross was started as a Christian organization and is now simply a humanitarian one, and there's lots of organizations like that. Yeah, that verse you referenced earlier is from James chapter 2, where he says, If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? Yeah. So, yeah, if, you, we have, if you're in this country, you have the opportunity to change somebody's life. In another sure. part of the world. Yeah. But you have to do it not just in the name of Jesus, but in the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And a lot of these things are people's, I think, responses to accusations from the world. Yes. That 
the gospel. Obviously, an atheist is never going to think that preaching the gospel is enough because they don't believe in the gospel. So they say, all you're doing is talking. You're just trying to convert people to your religion. Uh, well, yeah, we are. <laughs> 100%. But we, you know, that's not how we would describe it because we believe that this is real. Hmm. And so because Jesus told us to love each other, we're going to we're going to do those other things. But you got to watch out that you don't get the cart before the horse. And you say, well, we go out and we do nice things. And then if we need to, we'll talk about Jesus. That's not what the Bible says. Right. The Bible says go out and just preach. Paul would just show up, support himself, go out with nothing. And in fact, often be supported by the people that he went to serve to preach the gospel. Right. And this is when you get an unhealthy uh, mindset as Westerners who are very world by the world's standards, very affluent. Oh, yeah. We think, well... Just going there and and preaching the gospel is not enough. That's that's not fair to those people. When that's exactly what church planting is. The Bible does not make a distinction between people according to the flesh. Paul was a Jew who left Judea. First, he became a uh, elder of a church in Syria. Then he went out to all these other countries in in what is today Turkey, and then into Greece and Macedonia, and he just went and started churches and preached the gospel there. And then when the church came together, that church pooled its resources and began to do uh, to do things that were charitable, as we would call them. But when we come in and we say, well, you can't just do that. That's not enough. That that's a it starts to veer into a materialistic worldview if we're not careful. Oh, it's not. It doesn't just start to. It comes from an un. And I, I'm I'm I want to be I'm trying to speak gently and maybe winsomely here because I used to I think I used to struggle with this and I'm learning how not to. But so brother or sister, if you're hearing this and you're saying, well, wait a second, I believe that it comes from an unconfessed materialism in our hearts, which says that because we are concerned that perhaps the power of the Spirit of God will not attend the preaching of his gospel, then what we need to do is something that we can verify and see as effective before our eyes. Do you see what I'm saying? So yeah. like, it, look, uh, look, I'm not sure at all whether so or not... we can feel like we, we ticked the box. Yes, 100%. Yeah. Absolutely. And we know we can be sure that we can have a verifiable outcome on this type of ministry, right? But if, if we preach the gospel, we don't know what's going to happen. And, and we may struggle with doubt or lack of faith over whether anything will happen. And therefore, we tend towards the kinds of ministry that we feel are provably effective. Yes. And I would just yeah, like to gently... Right. Very corporate... Well, I just like to encourage brother or sister, like you, this is not a sufficient thing for us to die for. Like, like that's not, you know, I'm willing to die for the preaching of the gospel, but I, I'm not willing to die for humanitarian ends. Not that they're not good and even vital going alongside that, but they're not, they're not the same thing as the great commission. No, you know, so no, we may be skipping ahead of the objections, but I, you know, I, I do, I think that's important to cover though, because obviously they're. These things are all in the air kind of when you talk about missions and you need to kind of talk about them and define your terms a little bit so yeah. that we can all understand what we're talking For about. For example, what Bono does is not missions work. You know, helping raise awareness for AIDS and raise money yeah, for people I in Africa. That's, fair. Sure. that's great. That's a good thing. Yeah. But that's not missionary work. A mission I mean, the great think of the great missionaries, right? Adoniram Judson who went to Burma or William Carey who went to India or Lottie Moon or any of these people. Uh, David Brainerd, they just went to these places and they said, I'm going to live there right. and preach the gospel. Hudson Taylor, right? Mm -hmm. That's just what people did. And you know what a lot of this is? Is this is leftover seeker-friendly movement stuff. You know, yeah, that, that's, that's what swept through <laughs> America, right? Exported. Is we were doing yeah. it here, right? Yeah. People don't want to hear the gospel. So let's, let's you know, give them something so that they want to hear it. And, and eventually we'll get around to it. Well, And the generation that experimented that way is is 
now watching their children deconstruct their faith. So, so much for that. I didn't like it at the time and I don't like it now, but we need to not do that as missionaries. Like right, to say, sure. well, we got to give them something first. It's like, what are we bribing people? Let's They're going ex- to hell. Let's not export <laughs> our weakest ministry strategies. Yeah. And I you know think it I mean? probably will change, but I think right now the, this, the danger is not people going back to the old way of doing it, but trying just to say, maybe we shouldn't do this at all. Sure. But but that's not how we feel, and we will uh, return to some more of the objections you hear in a minute. But now we know what a mission trip is. We know what the Bible says about it. I want to talk just a little bit about uh, what my trip to Uganda was like. And uh, I want to tell some of the cool stories and uh, hopefully just excite you and, and brag on the Lord some and uh, fire up your imagination. And maybe if you're a, you're listening and you're at church and your pastor is offering a missions trip, or if you're a pastor and you're thinking about doing this and uh, I will say COVID has calmed down enough guys for us to go. And if you're worried about that, you should go. And most of these other countries now, they want people to come because they need the, There's they need, need the traffic yeah, back, sure. you know, to get the economy going again. But let's talk about this. So three of us from our church join up with five folks from Tennessee. And we, uh, went on some long plane rides to Uganda, which is a country in Eastern Africa, bordering Kenya, Tanzania, Rwanda, Congo, and South Sudan. And it borders Lake Victoria, which I learned this. Lake Victoria is one of the largest freshwater lakes in the world. And it's even larger than some of the Great Lakes. Uh, I don't think it's as big as uh, Lake Superior or some of those, but it's it's big. So that's where their water comes from. And um, it's a, you know, it's a third world country for sure. But, you know, my impressions of this country was the it seems to be on the on the come up is what I've been saying. It's one of the top entrepreneuring countries in the world. Hmm. And I think it might be the most entrepreneurial country in the world that more people own their own businesses or have started their own businesses than any other country in the world. However, that stat is broken down. But I believe it, man. There are shops everywhere and people selling fruit and vegetables everywhere and people, uh, you know, uh, touristy things, but also like schools and opening up uh restaurants and opening up little corner stores, even like out in these villages we were going to, uh, power lines being laid down. And uh, I would not be surprised if in a little bit you see Uganda starting to rise in, in, you know, the standing of the world. Uh, The, the AIDS epidemic, which is still going on, has largely been addressed in Africa, which was good news for me to hear Hmm, about that. Uh, Pastor Bill, who was over there was telling us, he said, when we first got here, it was unbelievable. Uh, you just everybody's dad had AIDS and everybody's mom had died of AIDS is now you still see it quite a bit. People with HIV, uh, he says, but a lot of the efforts that have been done to reduce it have, have happened. Hmm. And um, sco- like I said, schools everywhere. Parents are insistent that their kids go to school and get good grades. And I mean, that's that's a that's a future indicator of success or an indicator of future success is the priority placed upon education in a country. And uh, a lot of them want to try to go to school in other countries or they want to try to go to universities in their own country. Um, Uganda was a, is a former English colony, so they still are very connected with England and Great Britain. And some of them want to go over there. But um, it just was uh, it was a much more pleasant experience than some of the places I've, I've been. Uh, you know what I mean when I say that? Well, you've been to some kind of crazy places. so Yeah, well, Nepal, for example. <laughs> Nepal is, I've, I've often said, I love Nepal and I love the Nepali people, but it is not a nice place. Hmm. Like, it is not, you're not like, wow, this is so much fun. You're like, wow, these people really need Jesus. Mm-hmm. And Nepal is a Hindu country. I think they are technically now a secular country, but, you know, they were and might as well be still an officially Hindu country for a very long time. 
and you can feel it in the air. I mean, we'll talk about this another day, but Hinduism, you know, the belief of karma and destiny by the gods is that everything bad that happens to you was foreordained because of something you did in a previous life and how that trickles down roof caves in, in your house. Well, if I fix it, I'm telling the gods, I didn't deserve to have that happen to me. Uh, and that's defying yeah. the gods. So I'll be reborn because I did not get the full measure of suffering in this life. And so people, there's a, there's a gloominess and there's a pessimism in the country, which is why it has been prone to revolutions over the last several years. Uganda is different. Uganda is a Christian country. And you can see the difference. It is a very, I've heard this before and I've now seen it for myself. Uganda is an incredibly well evangelized country. Hmm. Churches are everywhere. There, there are mosques, but it is not a, a Muslim country. And it is not even a, a what's the word, an animist country. Even out in the, the, the wilderness, the tribes, they're worshiping Jesus. They have churches everywhere. It's mostly Anglican Church of Uganda, because again, it was a, it was an English colony. And it is, now it's there are other churches there too, a lot of Pentecostal churches, which is mostly where we did a lot of our ministry. Uh, but you see everywhere on the cars, on the people's windows, there's pictures of Jesus, there's quotes from scripture, there's hallelujah, there, you see the phrase uh, Yesu Ahulile everywhere, hmm. which is Jesus is alive, which I kind of like that. That's, That's pretty a pretty cool, cool yeah. like, like Hosanna was everywhere. Mm-hmm. And, and you could just see like the, these people have heard the gospel and they're very open to churches. They're very excited to see Americans come in and talk about the Lord. Um, you know, I'm sure that there's a, a lot more to it than just my short experience. But, I mean, it's not like that everywhere when you go. And I was no. I, I was very pleased to see <laughs> yeah. that. You know, In fact, I mean, I'd say that's probably of all the places we've been, that to me sounds like one of the more open environments. I mean, when you go to – so Israel is very like – the yeah christianity is a different experience there and, and ministering there is hard it's hard ground in israel uh russia is well there's the orthodox church but there's not a lot of evangelicals around in russia no, russia peru and costa rica are very similar in that there's there's an there's an established state church right but it's and not it's doing dead much. religion yeah right right it's yeah cultural right same thing with yeah are you a christian i'm russian Right. It's like, well, what is this a question? You right, know? Right, right. Or you know, are you are, are you a Christian? It. It's like I'm Tico. I'm I'm Costa Rican. Of course I am. I've right, been baptized, right. been confirmed. You know, my mother lights candles for me every day. And but it's dead religion. And so when you go there, the strategy is hand out New Testaments. Right? Have you right. actually read the Bible? Right. No, I haven't. Well, let's read it together. You believe the Bible. Let's read what the Bible says. And in in some ways, it can be very easy to evangelize there, mm-hmm. because people are like. Well, I, I am predisposed and kind of have as part of my worldview that the Bible is true. Never mind that I've never read it, but I believe <laughs> that the Bible is true. Right. So you open it up and you read it to them like, well, if that's what it says, then let's do that. Mm. And there's other, you know, consequences and other things that you got to deal with. But yeah. What you, did I, you, so, so now, now for everybody listening, this is the, the, everything that's in the show is in the show. So I actually didn't get to uh, sit in on Tyler's and the team's wrap up from the trip. So I, I just have a lot of questions that I want to ask. Um, so can I, can I say real quick before we move on? I'm, I don't want to interrupt you. I just want to say, I know that there may be somebody listening to this who like has been in Uganda for 20 years or something like that. <laughs> I just tell and you, I, you're completely and wrong. I'm completely wrong. <laughs> These are my impressions sure, sure. from being there for two weeks. And I'm willing to stand on them and defend them. And I believe the people that explain these things to me, but I'm not pretending to be an expert, but, uh, I, I will say I deeply love the country, and I, I think I have the right of it. But that said, 
there, I, if you're the one that's like, hey, he's got, well, you didn't really nuance that statement very much. Yeah, probably not. But just, <laughs> I'll let you go now. I just want to, that came into my head, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. somebody prepping a long comment. No, I, I think you, <laughs> I think video. you've completely gotten the entire country in two weeks, Tyler. I think you're good. Um, no, I, I, so my question is like, what would you say? Cause that's like you said, that's interesting. And that's a different environment than most of the ones that we've been to for missions in that kind of environment. What would you say is the biggest hurdle that you meet when you're evangelizing or teaching maybe in churches or whatever like what what do you think is the biggest need that they have then in terms of being reached whether that's for just straight evangelism or whether it's encouraging the churches there it's discipleship is the biggest thing okay. it's instruction in the scriptures um a lot of people i'd say the most uh, there there is the church of uganda which is anglican mm-hmm. and is you know to use a you know a friendly brotherly term kind of a stuffy sort of church and denomination. (laughs) Sure. Um, And then you have a lot of Pentecostal churches. And we love Pentecostals too. And we're probably closer to Pentecostals in a lot of things than we are Anglicans. Yeah, probably. uh, But even, of course, Ugandan Anglican church is not like, you know, what you see in London, shall we say. Right. Uh, In fact, they've they've pretty majorly broken with... (laughs) I know. We we did maybe talk about that another time too. But uh, so there's a lot of... um, we, We encountered an awful lot of hype and not a lot of substance on these things. Okay. And, uh, you know, very much, very exuberant, very excitable worship, which is good. I think our church could use a little dose of that, to be honest with you. But, um, you know, if you're just, it doesn't, whether you're here, there, or anywhere, if you're just running around in the room, you know, speaking in tongues for 20 minutes, and there's no interpretation, and there's no instruction in the word, these people have profound faith that God is with them and that God loves them right. and profound faith to pray. So, you know, it's like in, in the book of revelation, right? It's like, I know your works and here's what you're doing really well. Right. What the need seems to me is, is I think what Calvary Chapel's bread and butter is, which is sound Bible teaching, mm. which is, Hey, I, I know you believe this. I know you love this. Let's open it up and study it together. Uh, there is still an undercurrent and progress. It's an undercurrent of witchcraft and tribal religion that is underneath a lot. It's a lot of folks, the medicine won't work. The prayers don't seem to work. Well, you know, let's, let's go to the witch and let's see what she does. And, uh, so there's at least where we were, there's some of that, but it's hidden. It's not talked about and that's good. I mean, you don't want that mm-hmm. to be talked about, but, uh, so, you know, a lot of the, the proclamation of the gospel there is that Jesus is stronger than the devil. He's there. One of the gospel messages I gave, I really felt impressed of the Lord to speak on that. It's like that Jesus is stronger than the devil. He's stronger than than any witch or any wizard that you're going to come across. Um, not nearly as big a problem as in Nepal, where every congregation is two or three people who have been exercised of, mm-hmm. of demons. But I'd say just discipleship. It's not that, you know, obviously, and, and, and you get people that come in and uh, like, like our churches who go to church or go to church because mom does or because dad does. And have you really encountered the Lord? I mean, do you mm-hmm. have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Do you know that he wants that? Um, but I was overall very encouraged at the state of things in Uganda and the state of the churches that I saw. So uh, uh, where we were going was a place called Ishunga, which is southwest Uganda. It's very close to the Rwandan border and very close, in fact, to the uh, border of the Congo. So uh, they said that if you go a couple miles away from that, you can do gorilla trekking where you go hiking up in the mountains to see gorillas. And I asked nice. Bill, have you ever done that? He goes, no, it's kind of hard to find the time. And I was like, well, maybe next time I come, we can find the time. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> like you're there, dude. So like... cool. But anyway, uh, you think Africa, you think desert. Uganda is not desert. 
Uh, it's got savannah. No, you but sent it's pictures, and it, honestly, it reminded us of like it looked like Virginia. Yeah, it was. It With was it different was trees, crazy. but I mean, grass and rolling hills and banana trees and pineapple bushes and coffee trees and mango trees. Very green. And, uh, you know, I, that was my ignorance, not knowing about that. But, you know, because everything you see about Africa is like Egypt, you know, where it's, <laughs> yeah, everything's brown and Africa. desert. And, right. Uh, but it's it's not that. It's right on the equator. I have a picture of myself standing on the equator. Nice. And uh, for any flat earthers in the audience, on one side of the yellow line, the water drains <laughs> clockwise. And on the other side, it drains counterclockwise. And if you drain the water on the equator, it drains without any spiral. So really? it just sucks it straight down. It's the it's the that's craziest thing. But that's and that's not magic. That's How did just, you test that? Did they have three toilets set up? No, they, they had they had yellow bowls and oh, they would really? pour water and they put a little flower in it so that you could see how it was spinning. That's and it actually was like, wild. And that's now if you come cool. over here to this side, well, I'm like, what? This is crazy. <laughs> and I'm not a you know I believe the Earth is round. Right, right, right. right. They convinced me. But <laughs> when I was there, I'm like, that is the neatest thing I've ever seen. So uh, that's that's where we were. But we were going to a place called the Uganda Kids Project which has two aspects of the ministry. One of the aspects is in the United States. Um, ministry is called Agents for Christ. And one aspect is called the 10th Hour Project, which is a gap year program for Calvary Chapel students coming out of high school or just shortly after that, where they do six months of discipleship in America, and then they go to Uganda and do six months over there. The Ugandan half of Agents for Christ is called the Uganda Kids Project, where they have a school with something like 500 students in it, one of the wow. top-rated schools in the country, they get are overwhelmed and inundated with people that want their kids to come. They can't accept everybody because if you do, you don't have enough staff, you don't have enough people. All of a sudden, the quality of the school is not where you want it to be. Mm -hmm. Very common problem, by the way, for Christian schools in other countries, um, and even in this country too. Actually, Christian schools have a you know a tendency to be very very good. Uh, but they also have just Calvary Chapel Ishunga, which is over there, and that's Pastor Bill James and his wife Danielle, who are great. And Bill's got an amazing testimony. I'm, I'm sure he'd love to come on and, and tell us his story and talk about you know the country better than I could. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but you know they have a church, they have a school, they have a medical clinic, uh, they have all sorts of things that they're doing over there. And uh, Pastor Bill has adopted about like a half dozen or more kids hmm. um, that are now teenagers living there, and uh, they have Americans that come over that uh, serve as nurses, or they serve one man who is a uh, a carpenter and a craftsman. You know, we're out, one of the things we did over there is they had to pull up an old, uh, like a what do you call merry-go-round, like one of those metal ones from mm -hmm. the from the park, dig it up and break all the concrete off of the bottom of the center pole because you can't just throw it away because metal like that is very hard to get. So break off the concrete and put it on the pile so that we can reuse the metal for something. You know, but uh, they had a great setup up there, man. They they had clean water and everything, and not the case everywhere, but. Uh, this was a delight to be there and see the ministry that's that's going on around the world. So Agents for Christ, that's that's who we were with. And uh, we had the 10th Hour Project come through our church did, yeah. one time, which is, and that's, were you there for that? I was. That's kind of how we found out about this, basically, right? Is we, yes, we, we talked right. to them and they said, oh, well, we're doing, you know, the, the traveling teams in the States. And then we also are connected with this ministry in Uganda. We said, Uganda, huh? And they said, yeah, you should talk to Pastor Bill. And so we ended up doing that and that yeah that's basically how the lord and brought pastor this bill around. came to the church and spoke yeah yeah yeah, uh, exactly time. right um and so yeah it it was really cool seeing maybe maybe we'll kind of transition some to like the why of all this like not being able to go this time 
it was so cool to me to see number one how big of a deal it was for the two guys that went with you both of whom that was their first time going on a missions trip how big of a deal that was for them how just how excited they were about the whole thing going in coming back and the things that they talked about learning and then also to see what it did for our congregation where everybody not not only was everybody excited about it which like okay whatever you can get people excited about lots of things that's not necessarily why it's good it's because everybody you could see people waking up to the reality of like look how possible it is for a tiny little church like ours to actually be a part of carrying the gospel to another whole place that most of us will never go right like most of us in our church will not end up going to uganda but some of us have been able to participate in that and it really did just open up some people's eyes like oh yeah that's why that that's why the ministry i do here on sunday is important it's because it's a part of this in a very real way that's why tithing is important is because part of it we was that stuff like you know, <laughs> that's why really, and it's just showing you hey it's not just because this is a good thing to do because this is what we do it actually all does work together and in a way that the lord puts it all together with people over there serving you serving us serving and i, I could see that it really turned a light switch on for some people and it reminded me i was like oh yeah like that's awesome how that's it, it was actually so doable for us to to actually do praise the lord um and, and it's yeah, it's just it was just an awesome reminder that yeah. like this is it really doesn't take that much to be able to do something like this. No, and and what we were doing was meaningful, and this is important to to know when you're going on a trip is yeah, it is. You know, there it's were a big question. Two parts to what we were doing, and the first part was they there we got there on a Monday. The following Monday was the first day of their school year school term. Um, so school of 500 people, and all the kids are showing up in a week. It's a boarding school, so there was a lot of work to be done to prepare that. You know, we were cleaning stuff up, we were sorting metal to be. St- uh, scrapped and uh, they were organizing classrooms and you know moving logs and you know some you know mucking out stables and stuff. It was pretty. It was a pretty cool yeah. thing that we did and and helping out there. Um, but then in the evenings, what we would do is we would go out. Uh, there was another uh, Pastor John from uh, Tennessee and myself, and then another guy from our church uh, would play together some old Christian blues songs. So, you know, set up a, a sound system that would have the Ugandan worship team. They would play. Uh, we would have some folks give their testimonies. And then somebody would preach the gospel. And we got to go to several churches. Um, we got to go to one very large church that um, they welcomed us with. I mean, they were waving palm branches and, and <laughs> awesome. uh, papyrus reeds. And it wasn't just for us. It was to let everybody in the village know, hey, man, church is starting. And we got some, some guests that came. And uh, we went to another uh, church of Uganda, so a much more traditional looking church building, and it was at night, and I was preaching, and there were bats flying in and out of the windows. Oh, for real? That's yeah, hilarious. you can hear them flapping around like like yeah, yeah. outside, and then you hear them like squeak, like yeah, yeah, it's really high. Yeah, it sounded yeah. like Nike Nike yeah, on, yeah. on hardwood, and then they would flap in and then like hang there, and I'm like I'm preaching in a in a church. We bats used to have them. We know? used to have them in Virginia, which again makes the connection between those two. Yeah, but usually we would close the windows. Yes, we would. Um, but <laughs> but uh, so that's what we were doing, and and we got to preach in the open air in some places, in a in a school one mm-hmm. time. Uh, we got to preach in several churches that were just delighted to have us there. One of the churches, as I said, was very large. One of them was just. It was like a, a little mud hut, just like you think. When you think mud hut, it was like that thatch roof. Mud on the sides, and you go, you know, hmm. dirt floor, obviously, and very small. But man, these were just—they were brothers and sisters in Christ. It was the same spirit, it was the same right. Lord, the same Bible, and 
there's that instant connection. And if you've never experienced that, y'all, you, you have to experience it to understand this. To meet somebody from a totally different culture, doesn't speak your language, who knows what they believe about all sorts of things that you care about, but you have Jesus in common and you are brothers and sisters instant instantly. Connection. Yeah. It's impossible to describe. It's it, the closest when it, yeah. is when you go to like a retreat or something like that. But it's it's different when you're around the world because it, the, dis- well, it is the difference is so great yeah. that being brought together is just that much. You have more no remarkable. other reason to be like, you know, like you know, we have friends, genuine friends in Russia. Yeah. Our two countries don't like each other, right? No. And right, that's, have, a, that's a wild experience too. Yeah, have have to real problems that. with each other, and yet that when that stuff starts happening, I'm thinking about, oh yeah, that's right, like. So my friends are over in Vladimir and I wonder what they're going through right now. And when I go over, when we've gotten to go see them, we don't have, we we can't talk about the latest movies really, you know, Mm -hmm. because it's not the same kind of cultural things. We, We don't have, we don't share a lot of the surface level stuff that makes friendships, you know, here in the States or whatever. We just can talk about Jesus, but we can instantly talk about Jesus. And I've had, I've had people over there share like words from the Lord with me that have been like pivotal to my walk with the Lord, prophetic words. I've had, I've been able to encourage someone where like later on, they've told me like that I needed to hear that, like at that point in my ministry or whatever, like Mm -hmm. it's crazy. And, And that stuff, in a sense, it can only happen when you go to that extreme of like being with people that are so different from you because it strips everything else away and it makes you realize the only thing we have in common is Jesus. And yet that means that we have enough in common to like actually like be connected yeah, to it's, love each other. Yeah. It's, it's really incredible. Forced fellowship. Cause, yeah. Yeah. Cause it's the best in a good I mean, way. It's, it's so fun. So while we were there, I mean, we preached the gospel and every time we finished, we would ask people to come up and receive prayer. And most of the people we were preaching to, I mean, they were believers. Uh, at least to one degree or another. Sure. But they would come up and ask for a lot of kids coming up and asking for help in school. Um, maybe mama was nudging them <laughs> to go and ask that. <laughs> I don't know. But um, a lot of people with sickness and things like that, like just like here, just like anywhere. Mm. Um, we know for a fact that there were five people that made professions of faith. That's awesome. Uh, and I am inclined to think there were more. Uh, but I don't think everybody was reporting <laughs> the what what had happened because i mean you'd be in a huge group and language sure. barrier and everything else but at least five people that are going to be in heaven because of the trip that we took and that doesn't always get to happen when you go that's on a trip and you wonderful. can like say hey f- people got saved so that's that's always so, except when so we're in cool. russia and you're you're doing evangelism with roma did you ever go with roma one yeah, of those days who just he's like wild Completely just in, wild. in three seconds, he's got the person like, well, yeah, I he, guess Jesus is you the son to, of God. Well, here, we'll get <laughs> to the objections thing in a minute. But we, <laughs> I remember being on that trip in Ru- in Russia. So this is, was this the trip where we took our daughter, Nora? It might have been. I think it was that trip. So I, I remember this this morning, my, my little daughter, who's seven now, she points to this little Polaroid picture that we have from Russia where she's nine months old. My wife and I, because we're insane, we took our nine-month-old daughter to Russia on this mission trip. And Tyler was there. And... um. She points to this Polaroid. She's like, where was I in Russia? I was like, that's right. You were in Russia. She said, what were we doing there? And I said, well, we were telling people about Jesus. And so we would, you know, hand her off to all these high schoolers who would, you know, take care of her and stuff. My wife and I are out doing, you know, street evangelism. And I remember we were going out with this guy named Roma, who is a a local guy who had gotten saved through the ministry of the Calvary Chapel Church there. And I remember we were going and they gave us these plastic like coins to hand out. And in my all-knowing, you know, 23-year-old self or whatever, I'm like, okay, this is kind of not the best way to do evangelism is just to like put a plastic coin with a gospel message on a park bench. And I'm kind of like over it, right? And I asked Roma, I was like, so how, how, you know, do you guys usually see that these are effective or whatever? And he said, oh yeah, that's how I got saved. 
Yep. And I said, what? And he said, oh yeah. He said, somebody dropped this on a bench and I looked at it and I read it and I said, yep, that's for me. And I got saved. And let me, when I tell you that this man, you know how people say, not everybody has the gift of evangelism. Well, I have, Roma has the gift of evangelism. Roma has, Roma has the double portion of gift of evangelism. He can, he would just, he would walk up to people like per, with purpose. He would engage a complete stranger, walk up to them, stop them as they're walking from one place to another. And within about 10 seconds, he's into like the Romans road or whatever. It was completely wild. And people yeah, would like so listen to him. That's the thing is he wasn't just like irritating people. People would like be locked in, like listening to him because you just couldn't, he, it was so clear that he wanted to tell you something. He cared about you and you needed to listen to him. And I'm just standing here watching and being like, well, why did we come? Like, let's just let him talk. You know, yeah. it was crazy. It was so, so great yeah. to go and, and be part of that. Um, and the, the other cool story I want to tell from Uganda and, uh, you know, then we'll move, move on to some other things here, but, uh, this was not part of the evangelism. This was just something the Lord did in our own our own midst, uh, the team's midst. So every every night ish, we would, as much as we could, we would have a, or in the morning sometimes too, we would have a prayer, worship, afterglow service. Um, sometimes it was impromptu, sometimes it was more planned, but we'd just sing and we'd pray and we'd allow the gifts of the Spirit to be exercised with um, ourselves and the team from. Tennessee, obviously, and then the uh, 10th Hour Project kids that were there, and then uh, Pastor Bill's kids who were there also, and some of the staff, and it was just really great times of waiting on the Lord, but there was one moment where um, Lord put a, a an impression on my heart, and I had an image in my mind of, it was like, I have I scribbled it down on a piece of paper, and I, I saved it, because I'm not getting rid of this, but um, it was an outline of a person, and I could see that the the hip knee and ankle joints were like lit up like little round balls and they were connected with like a, a white line. And so I just drew that very simple. And I said, Hey, I had this, uh, this, this thought from the Lord, is this for anybody? And uh, one of the members of the Tennessee team, his wife like looked at him and nudged him. And, uh, you know, he started to get a little choked up and say, I haven't been able to sleep for like six months through the night because hmm. the, the way I sleep and the pain in my hip is so bad is I, I only sleep for short stretches at night. And, um, it's, it's getting very, very hard for me. So I'm like, well, I think the Lord wants to heal you. And we went and laid hands on him and the Lord healed him instantly in that moment. Awesome. All the pain was gone. Yeah. He noticed it immediately. The pain was gone. The next morning he comes like strutting out to the breakfast table. and is like, I feel good. I slept all the way through the night for the first time in six months. And Isn't that crazy? Uh, he shared the story. He's like, you know, my, my daughter has some pretty serious health problems. And he said, I never wanted to step up and pray because I thought, you know, she's the priority here, you know, not me. Right. And he's like, but just the love of God that he's like, but I care about you too. And how God stepped down and, and healed me. And God must really love me. You don't have to like take a number and wait in line for say, God. That's, that's you know? such a dad mentality. Yeah, <laughs> he's like but, a good old guy. But, and so he was very yeah. eager, of course, to pray for other people yeah. throughout the whole time. Awesome. And, and, but I mean, that's, that's a, a full miracle. That's a whole miracle yeah, yeah, that yeah. God did while we were there, man. And, and those are, those are starting to pile up around our ministry, which yeah. I, I love so much. But it was all just such a, a wonderful trip. I mean, there was there was real fruit that was born, not just all the things I mentioned, but the love that was born between us and the people there and um, the benefits for the team members that went. And I think we were able to encourage the pastor and the other people that were there. So um, praise the Lord. I give all glory to God. It was ob- ob- absolutely of the Lord, by the Holy Spirit. And uh, I'm so glad that I went because, you know, you, you always, I always have at least one moment on a missions trip where I'm like, what am I doing here? I want to be home. One? I just want to yeah. go home, yeah. you know, and 
you know, I would never quit, but you just, you know, you have those little soulish moments. Yep. But I, I praise the Lord for all that he did while we were in Uganda. So, so let's talk about this now. You've already brought this up, so I'll let you kind of pick up this ball and run with it some. Uh, there are quite a few who object to short-term missions trips. And you already were talking about the benefits to the team that went and the benefits that our church uh, is reaping. Can we oh, just talk a little yeah, bit about 100%. those yeah. that don't like what I just described and think that it, the church should stop doing this? So specifically short-term stuff? Yeah, specifically short-term. And I mean yeah. within the church now. Like we'll, we'll get to the world's objections in right. a minute. But within the church, there are a lot of people that say we shouldn't do short-term missions. Kind of talk to me about that. Uh, about what that objection is. Okay, yeah, and and I kind of understand. I understand where people are coming from, but I think it's exaggerated. So so people will say things like, "Look, these are all just like you said, the paint the school trips. Like, you just look, you're just going to go over there, and you're going to paint the side of a school, and you're going to go home, and you think you've done something, but you haven't. And you know, just like anything, unfortunately, in Christian ministry, there's always some grumpy guy to tell you why you shouldn't be excited about it. Um, look, I I understand this objection, right? If that's all that your trip is. If, if you've, you've done a whole trip and you've taken people and you've spent thousands of dollars per person and you're really just going to, you know, paint something and go home and check a box, right? Then I agree with you. I don't think that's the best way to spend your time or your money, right? So, so first of all, my answer would be, yeah, do better trips. Like do work harder. I mean, I've, I've, I've always encouraged guys in our Calvary Chapel family. We've got, told guys, you've got to know who you're going to visit and you have to check and vet and make sure that you can actually help them. I mean, my dad, he serves right now. He's on staff with your, your dad's church. And he, this is part of his job is making sure when they do a, a short term missions trip, he is just burning up the phone lines, making sure, do I know who these people are? And is it really going to be a blessing to them? Or is it going to feel like a burden for us to show up and they have to find stuff for us to do, right? That should be your biggest fear as a pastor is showing up. Imagine, imagine somebody showed up in your backyard, a busload of South Korean believers showed up in your backyard and said, Hey, how can we help you? Right? Now, now, if if you can't think of anything, and maybe you can as a pastor, I could think of some things. I'm I sure, could right? put a busload of people. Uh, to right, work. I could I'll put some people to work. What. Yeah, but listen, that's like, part of the point we're going to make here in a minute. For sure, you could. <laughs> but but think about that and think of okay, what would be needed for me? How would how would it be best be a blessing for me? I bet if they called you a week before and said, "Could you think of some things?" You'd say, "Yeah, let me let me come back to you and I'll get you a great list of stuff." Right. Same thing. Think about as you're doing this trip, how can we actually be a blessing to the local body? That's what's important. If you're just doing these insert and exit trips where like you show up and nobody knows who you are and they're not going to remember you when you leave again, that's not the best impact, but you don't have to do it like that. Right. You can serve as any, like, why would you do that? Why, why would you show up out of the blue? Like the, sometimes the, the parody here that people are accusing, I'm like, who does that? Who parachutes out of the sky throws a bunch of tracks in people's face and then leaves. Like if you're doing that, I'm rebuking you. Like, don't do that. There's a local church serve as an extension of them, extend their hand. Do like we always talk about with Costa Rica. We tell Jamie when we, when, when he was there, we would go down and we said, Jamie, what would you do if you could double the size of your church that, for a week? That's always my question. Yeah. If you had an extra 17 staff members for yeah. a week and a half, what would you do? Right. Let's do that. Now, now do you, now hearing that, do you really think that's a bad thing to do? overseas does that sound like a thing that pastors and ministry leaders wouldn't want right now right. now it's important you have to have that heart it can't be what do we want to do what is exciting for us what can we take pictures of or what like no what do they need they are they know they're living there like they're see, they're seeing what's going on they love the people they have the experience go talk to them they're your best expert right yeah but that's so easy to do like yeah, like you can and, and and not only is it easy to do like 
that's the way that most pastors I've ever met do it. Right. That That's the thing. Like, is it, this is kind of a, it's not a straw man because I know this happens. Oh, it does. Uh, yeah. You know, you, you gave a very, you know, f- nuanced, friendly answer. <laughs> L- let me go ahead and just, you know, kick down a door a little bit here. You know, there are people uh, that say, you know, if you're not going to go over and spend years taking the time to train up and disciple people, then you shouldn't go. And these are vanity projects for, so, oh, oh my know. gosh, like, there, there are vanity there are projects there. for white people and you're putting, oh, wow. and you're putting right. something on the, on the missionary and it's not actually helping. There was a, a book that was out a few years ago that, that made this point and um, it feeds right into a lot of guilty feelings that a lot of Americans have about world politics anyway. Sure. And. Um, we'll touch on that bit in a Did second. Did they ask the missionaries but, if they wanted to not be visited anymore? Because uh, I get the idea that maybe is, I think the it was a missionary that wrote this. But <laughs> okay. here, here's what I'll, I will say. All right. First of all, <laughs> everything that you just said. Yeah. If you're going to go, yeah, don't go. Any, you, there was one time that I felt like I was on a trip that we weren't helping, that we were just kind of mm. there, and it was make work stuff. And um, that was frustrating for me because I'm like, well, then – I, I wouldn't have wanted to be part of this, but, um, you know, and even not even that whole trip was that way. There's just certain pieces of it. But uh, so first of all, don't, don't do that. But what this leads to is it leads to people saying that what's the point of even going? You don't see it in scripture. First of all, yes, you do. That's uh, you yeah. see, you see Peter and John were sent to Samaria to lay hands on the people because yeah. there was a work going on. Uh, you, you you need to go. And, the, and then the next thing that gets into it is, well, the indigenous people need to be doing all the work, uh, not not the people, not the missionaries. Okay, that's true, and that's biblical. However, Paul would stay somewhere for years. And the Bible is telling us not to regard one another according to the flesh. So yeah, you should be making disciples, but here's the here's the thing when I'll, I'll say. The world needs competent, trained, well-mature Christians to go to places where there are not such people to make those disciples. And if you are going to an Islamic country, most of the people like that you're going to find are going to have to come from outside of the country. <laughs> That's just the way. I mean, Zach, you've done a lot of missions work and I've you know been around it, not maybe as much as you, but quite a bit. Not everybody who is a, a an indigenous missionary is a good person. And some of them know oh. that and oh. they will leverage it against <laughs> uh, Americans specifically uh, yeah to get money out of them or to get them to get off their back. And they'll say, hey, it looks like you're mismanaging the money. Like, well, you just, you all you Americans care about is money. Oh, hey, man, I wasn't saying that. You know, you do your, you know, God bless your ministry and people will just rip them off. So there's the, the idea that it is, I kind of went on a different thing here, but the idea that, you know, indigenous church, good, missionary church, bad, like that's not how the Bible lays it out. Well, yeah. And these short-term trips well, <laughs> are there to to give a boost. We do outreaches here in the states, of course. Like, we'll other we'll pastor, do a yeah. crusade. We'll do yeah. a, a thing at a school. We'll do a thing. So we've had going we've other had trips come down. We've had high school and college trips come down. Oh, from, I love it when that from happens. Calvary Chapel Lynchburg. It's the most helpful week. We're like, oh my gosh, can you? We can throw twenty excitable kids at this problem we have right we we it 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 exponentially increases what we've been able to do for events and things it's been such a blessing the lord uses it in so many ways you'd have to be arrogant in the extreme to not want that yeah and and, and, and i'll say this too i would be delighted to also have a team come from uganda russia cuba or wherever oh, to so come cool. here. In yeah. fact, I even spoke to Pastor Bill about that. Is how about we get some of you guys over here, and we'll do exactly this. We'll just flip it, and y'all come here because yeah. it's not. 
a Western responsibility. It's every church's responsibility and let me to just go, go ahead around and, the world. Let and me do just missions. go ahead and say something. This is my turn to get under brass tacks a little bit. Let me just go ahead and say something to what you said. We need to get over this idea, and it's I will I'll go ahead and stomp all over the red hot you know the 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 <laughs> buttons for people. It it is extremely arrogant of the Western Church, and and belittling and patronizing and condescending for us to imagine that we're going over to these places and like everybody there is some sort of like saint and, and all we need you know we, we just really need to go and learn from them that's insane is that how it is in your backyard are all the pastors that you meet great at what they're doing <laughs> is every disciple that they make the best disciple i don't think so okay why is it different just because you go to africa and the color of people's skin is different yeah like, like, hang on a second. Like, we're not you, supposed you, to regard people no, according to the flesh, and, and according to the spirit. What you're doing is you're you're turning these people into a caricature of what's actually going on. You're not giving them the the respect of seeing them as individual people. And as a person who spent some time in second and third world countries, I can guarantee you that the state of the churches there is often re is regrettable, pitiable. They they don't just it's not just would it be bad. They need. They must have external support from other places to serve them to to help them financially like paul and barnabas yes. and paul and silas went out from antioch or from jerusalem or wherever to go and help the churches and correct them where they were wrong to disciple and because to they were more mature in the faith than and they look were. like look give us you know if, if the lord tarries for 500 years maybe all these places will be sending missionaries to us who knows but that's not the situation we're in right now right now the we we in a sense we owe because of the spiritual blessings, forget the material blessings, who cares? Because of the spiritual blessings we have been given, America is one of the places in the world that is a center of study, learning, gospel preaching, you know, theology, all these things that we ought to be serving our brothers and sisters in other places where these things are not. And where oftentimes the theology and stuff that gets exported is the worst possible versions. Yes. Right. So I've been in places where you go over and you ask them, well, what are, what are your favorite Bible teachers? And all they're naming are terrible prosperity gospel pastors because that's all that they get a hold of by the time it gets over to where they are. You yeah. now, now explain to me how denying those people the gentle correction of, well, brother or sister, here's a commentary. Like you should, you know, here's, here's a way to just study the Bible inductively. Like explain to me why not doing that is somehow more loving or more respectful to them. In fact, I've had them confront me and say, why are you not doing this? Why are you not sending more people to tell us when we're wrong? Don't you love us enough to tell us that this is bad theology or bad doctrine? And the, the best pastors I know overseas are the ones who are the most actively engaging and almost demanding that they get that kind of support from the states. Come over and teach us how to teach. Yeah. And the point of all this is is not that we have nothing to learn from them. Of course There's not. plenty of things That's, we have to learn yeah. from them. Who said However, that? However, <laughs> they they also have a lot to learn from us too. And when you're when you're making a lot of new converts, you need people to disciple them. And so to get kind of back to where we were on short-term trips, it, well, I agree with all that, but a short-term trip doesn't help anybody. That's not true. Yeah. I I know of all the people I know in Russia, that were that are pastors now most of them were saved during a short-term trip during a, sh a street evangelism event no yeah, right after people the wall like came right down. out in the yeah. streets and now they're saved and they're pastoring and they're discipling and their churches are now sending out missionaries yes. to places like nigeria and cuba which they should be doing and it's like that the lord uses all sorts of things but to come back also people in our own churches need this 
We need to be able to get outside of ourselves a little bit. We need to be living on mission and then bring that home with us. And not just we, but other churches around the world too. You know, if you've got a church in Uganda, you should be sending missionaries to Pakistan and, and New Zealand or wherever. And if you have a church in China, you should be sending missionaries to Brazil. And if you've got a church in Brazil, you should be sending missionaries to Kentucky. Like, this is what we do. Right. We're supposed to go elsewhere to do missions. Now, here's the thing. A lot of those objections that were just raised uh, are not just raised among people in the churches, but this trickles down from people in the seminaries and in the universities. And when you hear people say things like we shouldn't be doing missions, there are some that will just come out and say it and say, we view missions work as an extension of colonialism, that going out and proclaiming the gospel and converting people to your religion is just the same thing that England and, and France and Spain used to do. And since we believe colonialism is evil, the church should never do this because all you're trying to do is convert them to your way of life. And this even gets into those that believe we should do missions, but they are so anti-Western in how they do it, they start to say, we shouldn't even teach Western theology. Let them come up with their own theology and their own doctrines. Like, don't even teach them the Trinity. See what they come up with, right? Don't you know, don't t- tell them to, you know, have decent <laughs> the and orderly... The Trinity is not a Western idea. No, it came well, from Asia Minor, you cor- dinglings. And, and Africa. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Which is you just, know, oh. Athanasius was an African, so there's that. <laughs> oh my gosh. But, you know, <laughs> when you say like, or you don't teach them to dress modestly or don't teach them to work hard because that's your culture. That's not our culture. That's scripture that teaches right. us these things. Yeah. And there are, many of you are familiar with the, you know, that whole anti-colonial, anti-Western woke thing. Sure. What you need to understand is not all. But a lot of the anti-mission sentiment that you see in the church is a manifestation of the same thing. It's the same thing that has affected the seminaries, the same, we've got to stop telling other countries what to do. Well, missions has always been part of the church, and it was part of the colonial project. Now, you can't get away from that. Yeah. I, I have nothing to say about the goodness or badness of that. All I have to say is that when People from Christian countries went to different countries. Missionaries always were in the vanguard of that. David Brainerd was one of those guys. Moravians would sell themselves into slavery so that they could go and preach the gospel in uh, in the Caribbean islands. Like the missionaries have always been part of that. But listen, we cannot let our cultural guilt or cultural attempts to produce guilt about something affect what we saw at the beginning of this podcast, which is we have an obligation to go around the world and preach the gospel. And if we are Western Christians, when we preach the gospel, it's going to have a Western flavor because that's who we are. Just like when Paul preached the gospel or some of these other people preached the gospel, they had a Jewish flavor or early on it had a more, you know, I I don't know, pick your, I'm sure Alexandrian missionaries had a very Egyptian flavor when they preached the gospel. That's okay. You know, Hudson Taylor was a great example of somebody that tried very hard not to push culture, just to push Jesus. That's right. And he's our example. But I do not want anybody to be so afraid that missions is the is an expression of whiteness or an expression of Western imperialism that they start to ignore what Christ told his church to do before the United States was even a thing. Well, let me. Yeah, you, you've got to. You, what does the word say? And then who cares what anybody says about you? I think a lot of this is just at some point, and I know that this is already happening in many places. But the church just needs to understand that we need to get over where we fit on the political spectrum of anything and just get back to pleasing Jesus, yeah. right? Like it pleases Jesus to evangelize. It's going to displease. Right now, it displeases a certain part of the political spectrum. Tomorrow, it'll displease another part. I don't know. Yep. It doesn't really matter to me because it pleases Jesus, right? We need to understand that we are called to a 
the radical act of trying to convert people from their ancestral faiths to ours. That's going to make a lot of people because that's what happened to our culture. Yes, exactly. My that, culture was worshiping Thor and right. Odin and Freya and all the rest until the the Christians showed yeah. up and told them about the true and living God, and then they smashed their idols. And now people say, "Well, this is a Western thing." It, it wasn't, wasn't always. No, it came right? out of it, out of the Middle East. It and came Africa. out of the Middle East, yeah. and then it came out of Africa where they were abandoning the Egyptian gods, and it came out of. You know, Rome, where they abandoned the Roman gods. Of and course. And I, and look, Christian, get. can I just lovingly ask you, like, get over your obsession with what the world... Who cares what a lost person... I say this with all love. Who cares what a lost person thinks about your project to evangelize the world? They think this is all fake anyway. Their opinion doesn't rate. Yeah, they're not they allowed. They don't believe this. So they're, they're not, not allowed. They don't understand. No, to have an opinion on the propriety of whether or not you should preach the gospel of the living God. Like that that's not their place to have. They have many opinions about colonialism and look, I don't I don't need to have an opinion on colonialism. I'm I know before between me and the Lord that I'm not trying to convert anybody at the at the point of a sword, right? So that's all that I need to be worried about. I'm not a crusader and and just because you call me names doesn't mean that what I'm doing is in any way close to something that's wrong before the Lord. Therefore, I don't have to listen to the rest of what you have to say. And I will say, Protestant missionaries, especially to the United States, did not come at the point of a sword. They were martyred in the the, woods of the United States and martyred on the plains and and had their eyelids cut off and, and, you know, scalped and and raped and their children taken away for the sake of Christ. And the Crusades were not a missionary endeavor anyway, but, you know, but who's defending the Crusades? No, no, no. What I'm bringing up, the reason I bring up the Crusades is because the people who are saying nobody should do missions, they're they're people who got their idea of what missions is from reading a book about the Crusades and watching the, the Humphrey Bogart African Queen movie. Like, that's what they think missions is. Yeah. So their idea of missions is, oh yeah, that's right. Your, 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 your quest to enslave people. Well, I'm sorry, but historically, I will speak to this. Historically, wherever the gospel of Jesus Christ has gone, it has uplifted peoples in every in every possible way. It has uplifted the people that it has reached. It has protected women. It has protected children. It has cared for defenseless people. In addition to the thing that actually matters, which is saving their eternal souls. So yeah. I, I really don't have any time of day for people who want to tell me that that project is somehow tainted by the fact that a number of very horrible, evil people did horrible, evil things. Of course they did. Yeah. But yeah. Well, I'll, you know what I'll even say? I mean, that is so true. First of all, I've seen it in Nepal. I just described what it's doing to Uganda. Absolutely. Um, you know, you can tell who's in Nepal where the Christian houses are because they're clean. Yeah. And there's been improvements because they think I've been set free from the cycle how of karma you, how and can Jesus you say Christ. That, Tyler, that's but I, so that's so chauvinistic of you to say that. Well, it's not. It's, <laughs> I'm, I'm a Christian before I'm anything else. Yeah. And it was also so uplifting that in the years leading up to the uh the Civil War, to our great shame, many states in the United States of America banned the evangelism and catechism yes, of slaves yeah. because the ones that knew the gospel and were believers and went to church were the ones that began to insist and demand for freedom. Of course. So they say, if people find out about the gospel, they're going to start to believe that we're all equal and that we're all brothers. We've got to stop letting them find out about Jesus, which that was a, <laughs> to our great shame. But I'm a Christian before I'm an American. Right. And that just tells me that that's what my gospel does. Right. And I believe that it's it's not just going to save them or not save people. It saved me. Right. It saved my family. It lifted us up out of poverty. It lifted, uh, lifted us up out of, you know, desperation, the quiet desperation of Western society. There's joy in the Lord and there's love and there's peace. Do you remember a few years ago 
where there was an island that was discovered, where there was a tribe that had never heard about Jesus. Yeah, of course. Yeah. And a mission, I think it was an American missionary, went there and was, was killed. Yeah, he was. And not only in the world, but there were people even in the church that were saying, he should never have done that. Let yeah. them be. Let them be. They're going to be all right. And why, why, you know, risk your life that way? And the answer is because Jesus Christ is worthy of the suffering of his servants for the sake of his name to be glorified. Man, I'll As tell you a story. As we kind of bring it to a close But here, people have but always ahead. said that. People have always said that. Yeah, that's every, not a every, new thing. In every generation, people were telling Paul he was dumb for what he was doing. My mom can still remember. She she was not walking with the Lord at the time, but she knew enough to know this was crazy. She went to a, a liberal college that was still i think she went to houghton um and it was a liberal christian university and she remembered her missions teacher saying that nate saint and jim elliott had done a stupid thing by going to the aka indians and trying to evangelize them he said what a waste that they died on a sandbar trying to evangelize the aka now and my mom who didn't know god at the time said that man's crazy because what, even what did she, Jim Elliot say? Right, he yeah. is no fool who gives what he, he cannot, cannot keep, keep to give. And, what, and what has that martyrdom done for the cause of world missions around the world? Of, say nothing of the fact that the tribe, the entire was, tribe evangelized was evangelized and converted, and are now sending out their own missionaries. So the, it's let me not just, new. I'll just lay that out before you. If you're wondering, is this a thing? Look, every maybe let me appeal even to your just ambition for a minute. Every Christian who has studied missions even a little knows Nate Saint's name knows Jim Elliott's name. Their name is remembered in heaven. They, they're they receiving rewards. I don't know the name of that missions teacher because my mom's forgotten it. <laughs> yeah. So you know what? Yeah. Like I would rather be known by Jesus and by Christendom for crying out loud. It's it's a good thing to have honor in that way, Paul says. I'd rather be known by the people that I care about than, than known by some people who are going to detract from what we're doing. Listen, if you go and if you do anything for the cause of the Lord, you will have people throwing stones at you and telling you that you're wrong to do it. But that doesn't mean that you get to, you know, neglect our the Great Commission, right? Yeah, Capital and that, G. And let's bring it back to that here as we come to a conclu- conclusion, which is you might disagree about the way that we just framed some of these these things. <laughs> sure. Okay. Go back to the scriptures. Right. Read what it says and say and you will come to no other conclusion than it is incumbent upon every Christian to preach the gospel to every creature to get out to the whole world and tell people about Jesus. And in fact, we're, we're, we're waiting for the fullness of the Gentiles to come in for the Lord to return. Yeah. We don't know when that's going to happen, but it could happen the next time somebody goes around the world and preaches there. And there are many of you that are like, well, I still disagree about short-term missions. Well, I disagree with you because I think that anytime the gospel is being preached is a good thing. I think that people here and around the world need both to send and receive missionaries and even taste it a little bit for themselves because I've seen what happens to one life when they get transformed by something like that. And ultimately, you guys, every Christian church is a mission in the United States anyway, because this is not where the gospel came. The gospel came to Israel first, right. not even all of Israel, Judea and Galilee. <laughs> and then it went to Samaria. And that's the story of the book of Acts. Then it went to Syria and then it went to Rome. And then it went to, you know, for my trajectory, it went up to, to Gaul and then it went up to Britannia and then it went over to the United States and it made its way eventually until now I've planted this church here. Right. This is a mission. This is a world mission. These are the uttermost parts of the world. And just because we are so blessed to live in a place where there's a lot of us and we've been able to grow and deepen our faith, we've got to take it around the world. Treat your life. If you're a pastor, how would you treat your church differently if you were leading it like a missionary? 
Like mm-hmm. what kind of things are missionaries supposed to do, right? We expect our missionaries to be in the schools and in the prisons and in the, you know, going out into the streets. Are we doing that? Mm-hmm. We're supposed to. Right. Well, they don't want us to. Who cares, bro? Jesus is is the highest authority, right? Right. We got to get out there and, and tell the world and tell our neighbors and tell our friends and tell the people in the schools and in the prisons and tell the people on the streets and in the, the stores and the highways and byways. We've got to be doing as much as we can and treat yourself as a missionary Christian that you are living life. You might have an occupation, but so did Paul. Mm-hmm. Paul had a full-time occupation, and then he preached the gospel as much as he could because we don't know when Christ is going to return. And I want to be bringing a whole train, a whole conga line of people behind me into heaven <laughs> when them pearly gates open that I have been able to lead to salvation. And I want them to be of every tribe and tongue and nation and color and former creed declaring the name of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. that's what we need to be seeking after. Absolutely. Yeah, no, it's it's. I don't know if you can tell, but we, we think missions is a is a good thing. <laughs> we think it's a good thing. Yes, short term, long term, mid term, church planners, all of it, man. Of course, all of it. And and look, let me just encourage you: be involved in in whatever way. Like, take a small, take the smallest step you can, but do it. Like, if, if you're a Christian who's hearing this and that that gets you excited, and you're like, I want to do that. You should. You should even if it's just a, a really short experience. The first of all, it's addicting. So it, it will addict you to, to serving Jesus in yeah, a really cool way. And you'll cool get way. home and you'll say, well, what, what, I can't just sit here and watch yep. Netflix all day, man. There's church to be done. It's, it <laughs> is very good for you spiritually. And, and it, it, it even if just for the the impact for you, that's a real thing. But also it, it actually makes an impact in the kingdom of God. We could keep telling stories for hours about ways that we are, just ways that we're aware of that this process of, of the whole church being kind of an inter- interacting organism of sending and receiving has has really done real work. So I, we have, of course, a hundred percent. I mean, it's it's biblical. So yeah, no, we're we're super excited about it, and it was that's why we decided it was a good thing to talk about. Every church in every country should be sending people to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world, mm-hmm. and we've been able to do that at our church here. And I can't wait until we have planted more churches in Alabama, more churches in the South and in the States. And I want to see us plant churches around the world too. We mm. call them missionaries, but it's the same thing right. to plant. And then, and who knows where the Lord is going to direct us and what it's going to be. But uh, I'm just excited and eager to see how the Lord leads us. So thank you for listening. Got some fun stories for you today. Just kind of a one-off. I believe we're going to start a new series next time. So we will see you then on the Ironworks podcast. Thanks for listening. Thanks guys. Thanks guys.